I want us to become brothers again like we used to be, and for us to find ourselves and bond with each other. Can we agree to that? Opinions vary. Welcome to Three Brothers Filmcast. Now, on November 5th, earlier this year, uh, Donald Shabib, the great Canadian director, passed away. And I'm not sure a lot of Canadians really understand the full impact that Shabib had on the industry. Um, in 1970, he made probably the first great English language Canadian film called Going Down the Road about two down on their luck maritimers who come to Toronto in search of dreams and fun on Young Street and kind of have their dreams slashed in the kind of blue collar reality of what Toronto was. I sure hope we're doing the right thing, that's all. Oh, for Christ's sake, Joey. I told you, my aunt and uncle had put us up. And Hanson said he'd get us a job, so what are you worrying about? You know, I heard they were taking on guys at the cannery next week, just when we leave. The cannery? Christ, Joey. I'm not working in any more canneries. That's why we left. You'd be working for a buck and a quarter an hour the rest of your life. I just keep on thinking about Jerry, Mertz, and Freddie. They didn't do too good. They were back in three months. Three dummies. I don't get you. When we were leaving, you couldn't get out of the place fast enough. Now you go on about some job in a cannery. Oh, listen, Joey. It's going to be so different. <laughs> there you can get all kinds of jobs. Not just sweating dirt all the time. <laughs> in the places you go, we're going to hit some night spots, have us some good times. <laughs> no more sitting in some restaurant all night or driving up and down Main Street looking for something you know damn well ain't there. <laughs> oh, Joey. There's going to be so much there. We won't know where to begin. It's, I just thought it was a good opportunity now for us to shed some light on this kind of criminally underseen movie that's very significant within Canadian cinematic history. But saying the phrase Canadian cinematic history is like a bracket within a bracket within a bracket. Like it's, it's such a narrow amount of people who are actually invested in this kind of stuff. And so Anton, um, I know you caught up with this movie recently for the first time. So I'm just curious, like completely blank, like just knowing the little bits that you knew about going down the road, what did you think of it actually watching it? I love the movie. I thought it was great. And I think the description of it is this important Canadian film does sort of bracket it off from not only its um, significance, but also, how enjoyable the movie is and how much we should just think of this as a, like another great 1970s sort of realist drama, but from a distinctly Canadian focus. Um, so what I would say is like, I, I, a lot of these, I like, I haven't really, I haven't seen any of, of uh, Shabib's other films. And I'm, so I, I really came to this movie only on your recommendation recently. And I'm really glad I found it. I want to go seek out more of his stuff. Um, and I found it had a really captivating story, the way it's shot, like it's so, you know, you can tell it, like it's low budget, it's raw, but it has a, a richness of character, the interactions feel real. And for me, like, I think on the, on the sort of the Canadian side, like the movie captures something that is kind of a Canadian experience, but I think it captures it in a way that would be understandable to any anyone and you sort of un begin to understand this this experience um, even as an outsider so you know Toronto being uh, this the central city in Canada and coming from another place and moving to Toronto and trying to sort of establish yourself there is such 
it's it's a, it's something that so many Canadians have done. Like I personally have done, and I could just sort of see myself in these characters back when I first, like my very first year in Toronto where you're just, you know, in whatever apartment and you're just trying to find whatever job and you're kind of excited because you're in the big city now, you know, and moving from Saskatchewan, one of the sort of further provinces because Canada is a regionalized and, you know, provincial uh, country, but it does have, you know, uh, Toronto is one of these major metros that pulls people in, but then it also, it's not, the city is not what it, you, you might think it is. But it, the way it, then it explores um, the ups and downs that these characters experience there, uh, it reminded me of like these, you know, the sort of the kitchen sink dramas, like the UK from like a decade earlier. And just portrayal of kind of like blue collar life was just like really rich and focused and valuable. Yeah, and not condescending. So prior to making Going Down the Road, yeah. um, Shabib was a documentarian. Um, oh, okay. This yeah. was his first feature film, his first fiction film, but he had made several like smaller projects, um, documentaries for like NFB and like CBC and stuff. And part so that's of the National of his, Film Board of Canada. Yeah. yeah. And so kind of his hallmark of his filmmaking style and documentaries was like not condescending to the material. So he would make films about like subject matter that sometimes would like piss people off, but he just kind of would just follow the people because he just thought they were interesting and wouldn't really judge them in the process. So he has this one, um, I forget what it's called. It's like, a. I don't think it's even available, but it's like a, a film about a street preacher in Toronto. And he's just like following why this guy does this, what he does and his, and basically investigating his like extreme faith that leads him to go out on the street corner and like yell at people. And, but he's weirdly like sympathetic to the, guy <laughs> and his yeah. his kind of belief in this dream that nobody else sees and you can kind of you can see that in going down the road following yeah. pete and joey these two lovable idiots honestly um and different kind of idiots like joey is clearly like delusional pete is more full and more put together but more like probably egotistical about who he thinks he is like, yeah the, the great scene where pete goes in he's like oh joey don't you see there's there's jobs you can get in advertising i could go make commercials then he goes in and the the guy who's like what in the world did you think you could ever come in here this this job requires a commercial uh university yeah. degree and this that and the other he's let like, alone well, a high school yeah whatever possessed you to come here looking for a job there's nothing in your background to suggest even an interest in advertising oh well you know i used to watch a lot of uh, commercials down home on the tv I mean, I really enjoyed them. You know, like some of those car commercials. Hey, when GTO comes over the hill and it shoots across the desert. Oh, I like that. Excuse me. Like, and he's <laughs> earnest about it. It's like such yeah. a ridiculous scene, but it's so, that is a scene that captures like a level of pathos that is just yeah. so hard to get correctly. And because um, the two actors, um, Doug McGrath as Pete and Paul Bradley as Joey, so they were so at the time in 1969 when uh, Donna was casting, they were all in this the kind of Toronto method group, and they're all cast in this play together with like Jane Eastwood, who ended oh, yeah. up on all, SCTV. All three of them. They were all they were all in the same group, and they're all performing. And he sent 
um, Dom Shabib got some like a recommendation from somebody being like, hey, you should get these folks to come out. They have kind of a very raw style that might work with your budget level. They haven't done any movies, but they're really good, like promising theatrical actors. And he auditioned them and he ended up casting like most of them in the movie. Hmm. And that naturalism lends over. And so I, I think the for like an American audience, the most maybe pertinent connection would be like a John Cassavetes. Yeah. It's that idea of like improvisation within the confines of a very strict dramatic structure, but using like method performance and pseudo doc, like, you know, docudrama improvisation to get at something really true in the moment. And so that's the way that they filmed this movie. It was like a very small budget at people who and the shots seem with, like fly on the wall type like they are but the, the right? thing that people I, you might not understand if you're listening to this and you especially if you're not from canada but like there was no such thing as a toronto film industry when this movie was made there was there was television film in toronto um there was documentary but it was like very localized very I mean, at this time really the only film would have been out of what quebec right quebec all the actual feature films are out of Quebec at this time. And so you you make a comment being like, okay, so it's, oh, you mean it's, it's going down the road is kind of filmed like a Jean-Luc Godard where he like didn't ask for for um, permission to film. It's like, well, yeah, Shabib doesn't ask for permission. Oh, so like he just skirted around the permits. It's like, no, there were no permits. You couldn't get permits because there was no like Toronto film office. Like it, it is the kind of thing like people, it's not that you it was difficult to make movies that people did not make movies in Toronto yeah. at this moment. Um, and so for Canadian audiences to see this movie on the screen was like a, honestly like a revelatory experience because it was the first time watching the, the city and the country reflected back on them as it exists in their own life. And it was like, wow, I'm watching Toronto play Toronto and I'm, watching these people that seem like folks that I come across when I walk down a young street and might actually see a bit of myself in, in the idea of like, I moved to Toronto to follow my dreams and, and like, <laughs> you know, that kind yeah. of thing. And like, so people back in the seven early seventies, when this movie came out, were like, like the Canadian set was like floored by this movie, but the movie's outsized critical acclaim within Canada. And it's, the, the thing that like people like Piers Handling, who was like the first CEO of TIFF and things yep. like that had latched onto and talked about this movie as such a, a seminal moment, almost cursed it because Canada has a tall poppies thing, right? Like the, se- the second something grow, like you grow too high, we chop you down. Yeah. Like that's a thing in Canada. We're not, you're not allowed to succeed. You have to be mediocre in Canada. We, we love mediocrity. We don't love greatness. And this movie was like the first instance of Canadian cinema kind of, um, English, English language yeah. Yeah. Sim, cinema kind of reaching for greatness and actually achieving it. And so you, and if you look at like the American reviews, the movie doesn't have as much rave. Some of them are like, Oh, this is like an interesting, um, an interesting kind of kitchen sink drama. As you say, some of the Europeans and Brits were like a little more skeptical. Notably, somebody who loved it was Roger Ebert. Oh, <laughs> really? Four stars raved about oh, wow. it. <laughs> wow. Um, as being like one of the most authentic movies he had seen that year. But it's just, if you're not Canadian, I don't think you understand the, how important this movie is in like setting a template for like serious Canadian filmmaking. But then when you watch but it, you, but saying all, but saying all that under sales, that this is like a funny movie, enjoyable yeah. movie. 
and it's got a Bruce Coburn score that was never released, controversially never released on actual like record. Oh, despite really? Despite Donald Trump being so angry that Bruce Coburn would never leverage his fame and actually put this on the record, which would make the movie way more popular because people yeah. really kind of want to see the movie. But Coburn had never done an actual score for a movie before, so he was like, uh, I'm not a comfortable putting like the going down the road song on one of my albums because this is just for the movie and he's like if you put it on one of your albums it'll become a top hit and then people will be like i gotta watch the movie (laughs) yeah yeah wow no and like but i think even for a canadian audience people it's hard for us to conceive of like toronto not being a center of film because like the toronto film festival for so long right like has been and we film tiff is such a important what and movies here we filmed oh so yeah many and then yeah shows. since so what movies. 90s you know so it's much ha- american tv shot in toronto and like people like remember like this movie is it's pre-cronenberg it's pre-adam mcgoyan it's pre-ivan reitman like it's it's before you even get into the tax shelter era where you can kind of gr- like eke out either like a teen sex comedy or like a gross yeah. horror movie it's before all that yeah 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 the score uh the score is really good in the, the opening. So the opening of the movie showing like rural Cape Breton. So Cape Breton's like the, the Island off of, uh, or is it peninsula? I can't remember. No, it's not. Yeah. Island. Off of Nova Scotia. Yeah. Off of Nova Scotia, sort of a coal mining territory. And like the way it shows like that, that setting, you're like, wow, this, well, one, like you can really see the documentary side yeah. of this filmmaking. And it's rare for you to get that, like, that raw look of how hard just, like, regular life in 1970 in, like, you know, outside the cities in Canada things could be. It and reminded like, me. But, of, and it explains the whole motivation of, like, we got we got to get out of here. Yeah, we got to follow. We got to go down the road to find a better life that we've dreamed about. That, like, we can get a job here in the, the fish packing plant or whatever, but, yeah. like, it's not. Yeah. There's, there's no future for us here. And the scenes, it's funny because it's entirely montage. It's a wordless montage, essentially, right? So it's like Joey bidding farewell to his mother, but we never, we see his mother, we don't hear her. Um, yep. They get in his uh, his his Impala with the flames it's all painted, painted on. on. <laughs> and it has um, my Nova Scotia home painted on it as well. And he's hits the road and we're going to Toronto. And then when they're driving to Toronto, they're coming down the Don Valley Parkway. And Pete's like so excited being like, oh, you know, like, we got jobs lined up for here. There's a place of like promise. And then they yell out like, you know, lock up your daughters. Like this idea, like these two virile young men with a future are coming in. And it's like, we're going to like take over the town and almost immediately, just like immediately are like brought down to earth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That moment, like when they're, uh, they go to the city with the promise that they're going to stay with, is it his cousin or uncle? Is yeah. His aunt and uncle. Yeah. And they just won't answer the door and they're, and there's like and again, behind. but the economical like way that that scene is done, they're just knocking on the door and then you get the inside and they're like talking and they're like, it's been five minutes. Most people would just take a hint like and leave. And like, they just, I, in some, in some ways, because it underplays that moment, it's like more powerful. Cause you're just like, Oh man, that's like so brutal that like, you know, I don't know if they, you don't get a sense of whether they, had they actually talked, he, was he just making up this connection? But either way, you're like the family just like, no, we're not answering like it. Yeah. And so then they end up in the Salvation Army rooming house and like it's uncomfortable. That's the one on, um, 
Is it uh, is it the top of Young or or is it, I th- no? it? Yeah, it's the one that used to be up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, this movie, it, so it's it's quite brief. It's a little under ninety minutes, and a lot of the runtime is is devoted to like montages that kind of link together the scenes. So you get like people walking down Young Street, or you'll get these kind of like early morning in the city, or just like folks milling about Allen Gardens, or like other the kind of parks in the in the city that that really situate Pete and Joey within the just like going comings and goings of the city. But -hmm. it also creates a kind of like weird rhythm to the film where you, you expect these little moments to punctuate and like link Mm -hmm. you to the others. So the actual scenes themselves are like very economical. And obviously this is because of budgetary constraints, but it also creates a, like a very rich um, cinematic sense of like the scenes are just distilled to their essence. Like yep. they don't, they don't overstay their welcome. It's like you get the moment and you get out. And so you get these little scenes of Pete and Joey will go to the bar after. So they, they end up getting like a job at a, a beer packing plant and they just move bottles. And ginger get, ale, ginger ale. But. Oh, ginger ale. But then you get, you get the scene where Pete is explaining how many bottles they've picked moved. And he's ends up being like within the past four months, we've ended up moving 500,000 bottles each personally. Yeah. And he's just doing like napkin math. And Joey's just like baffled as to why he's even like worrying about it. But it's just the idea of like, we've moved that much and we haven't moved at all. Like yeah. us ourselves. Right. But you get scenes like that where it's, it's such a specific moment right it's such a specific way of approaching the thing but it captures something so like universal (laughs) in the idea of like i'm not moving anywhere in my life yeah no the sisyphean nature of the dead-end job like like i couldn't when i was watching this movie i couldn't help but think back to like 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 when i moved to toronto like i was working at like i had like a seasonal job at the the lcbo which is like the, the liquor stores in ontario and I just remember like the movie, this movie is great at capturing that, how you can kind of get into a blur with these sort of, you know, you're just working a whatever job for whatever money and you just have enough that I can go out and drink some beer. And then the next day you do it again. And like the way the movie captures that reality. And then, you know, in the passage of time, the characters are all of a sudden like, oh, it's been a few months. And like, they're like, oh, I got nothing saved. And like, it's just really it's really good at capturing like that sort of an experience. And I think the montage adds to that where it's like, that's almost like the the memory of this sort of thing where it's like, it's repetitive, right? Like it's um, so the montage captures the repetitive cyclical aspect of this sort of lifestyle punctured by those moments, these like scenes we get. And one thing I noticed that, that uh, Shabib does is like a lot of those, those scenes where we, we get something, it, the scene is like truncated. It doesn't end. And it's like it, they like say something and you feel like you could go else. Like that could be like developed more and more, but then it moves on to the next, which one keeps the pace of this movie. Like, I mean, it's a short movie, but also it moves like really quickly. And then, but it also sort of like, we feel like we're just sort of looking in on these characters. Um, but you get a sense that there's like more going on too that we don't see like it's not like the world of these characters in Toronto is just confined to whatever is being shown on screen and I think some he handles that through the montage and through the way he creates these short little scenes creates that feeling I think absolutely and it's one of the things that um, the movie borrows from American indies like Cassavetes and also like French New Wave which is 
Unlike a lot of independent cinema that you watch nowadays, which seems hermetically sealed, the docudrama approach, the economical approach, actually embeds it within a, like a comprehensible reality that exists outside mm-hmm. of the characters and, and like blends them in with the real world around them so that it, everything becomes more believable and recognizable. And thus it actually seems more cinematic because it doesn't seem like it's cutting corners. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Like that's great because I, I've sometimes been struck by how like you'll, you'll watch like an indie movie of like say the past decade and it's trying to convey the experience of lived reality. And it often decides to do that, like the modern indie, by having a scene go on longer than normal. And you're sort of like the the the, the dialogue, whatever, just sort of stretches out. And so they're almost trying to capture like that reality by extending how much we see on screen beyond yeah. what a normal movie does. And like you're right that like this is working. It's using the opposite principle to try to convey that lived reality. Yeah, it's it's just um, it's a really remarkable movie, and you get scenes like the one where um, so Joey ends up knocking up a waitress played by Jane Eastwood from SCTV. If you ever watched that back in the day, um, and Bibbs, <laughs> and he ends up marrying her, and he they have this marriage scene at the Legion Hall. Yeah, and the it's wedding. Like, it's one of the saddest. It's just such a sad scene, and he's kind of a few beers in and he stands up and he has a drunken speech and she's like, no, don't say it. And he's like, well, you know, folks, uh, well, yeah, it's what you think. Uh, we're going to have a little family here. And like, kind of explains that like, they're only getting married because he knocked her up and it, but he's so earnest in his, or he's trying to, he's, he's trying to yeah. say that it's because he loves her and that's and not it would the be despite exactly. But he's but by bringing attention the to it. <laughs> yeah. He's saying the opposite and you just feel so bad. And then that's, this is a case of where the scene doesn't, isn't truncated. The scene continues yeah. a bit. And then you get him asking Pete for the money to cover the beers at the yeah. Legion hall. And Pete's like, yeah, buddy, I got, I got some, I got some money I can give you. It's just, it's, it's a movie with like, it's, I think it's the kind of movie had I watched it when I was like 18, 19. And I was just kind of curious about, historically important films so mm-hmm. called you know i don't think i would appreciate it as much but when you watch mm. it a little bit further down the road yeah. of life you start to realize all the things that you recognize and so this especially nowadays when you know we talk about like representation and things like that in movies and people have this idea where like well it's, it's two white guys from the maritimes but it's like forget about their like skin color that's kind of beside the point the the idea here is they're outsiders to this central city yeah. And that they're on a journey towards it that they can never actually get the place they're going, much like most people watching the movie. Yep. So it, it's kind of like impossible to not see yourself in these two lovable dimwits who and just it, want a better life. <laughs> yeah, and it's that like it's it's the uh it's the combination of like the 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 person coming to the town or like to the city, both they're they're both sort of like put to the outside. You know, there's there's sort of a marginalized aspect going on. Like they're the ones who are um, furloughed at at the plant at the at the packing place that they work at. So they lose their jobs at one point um, for you know a period of time. They're like, oh, I'll come back in a few months, but then it's unclear, you know, if they'll come back. So there's definitely a sense that you know if anyone's going to have to take the short end of the stick, these guys are the ones who are going to have to get it. And then at the same time, there's also a sense that they're 
desires and expectations for the city, they've placed too much on something that like, you know, it's like on one level, the community is excluding these people and marginalizing them. And on the other hand, they're coming in and they're, they have larger expectations and, and demands from a place that they're like, you know, that they're, that they, that they're just new to. And so they have these, it's the delusions of grandeur, right? Like the the captures like the very early on where they're just like, yeah, we're just going to be rolling in the dough. Like all the ladies will love us, like all this sort of stuff. And like just seeing that sort of those pipe dreams, like, you know, hit the pavement is because this movie, I have to say, like without giving away the ending in specifics, I, I was pretty affected by how like how dark the ending is. Like, I just, I always felt like, they're like, oh, it's pretty devastating. It is. It's, um, for a movie that is, that underplays the dramatic aspects of it, it's a very, like, tragic film. Yeah. (laughs) In a, like, true dramatic sense. It's, um, yeah, like, basically, if, if you have an interest in Canadian cinema, if you have an interest in independent cinema, if you have an interest in 1970 cinema, if you have an interest in the method acting, if you like the idea of docudramas, if you're if you're just simply interested in working class cinema, like you need to watch Going Down the Road if you haven't. Um, there are copies floating around on YouTube. It's it's not hard to find a, a version to watch this movie. Unfortunately, because of the nature of when it was made and the nature of Canadian cinema, there's not like many great versions floating around. There's like a, a Blu-ray with it and it's, it's long legacy sequel that Donald should made in 2011. Um, but I, you know, there was like a minor restoration when TIFF was, was playing it for a bit in the late 2000s, early 2010s, which is when I, I first saw the movie in theaters at, at TIFF. So that was a, like a good introduction to it. But uh, yeah, if it's, it's really a movie that more people need to see. I, it has its reputation within Canadian circles, but it really needs to have its reputation in just like larger film circles. And it's, it's a movie that I just know if more people watch who are interested in cinema this period, they'll get a lot out of it. Well, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye, Mr. Bowman. I bid you farewell. <laughs>